morning everyone and welcome to 20s live podcast the podcast where we normalize not having a clue in our 20s i'm b and this week we're talking about grief and dealing with grief in our 20s personally it's a really it's just a very personal story for me um it's something that i dealt with um about 10 months ago i lost someone very close to me and i found grieving at this age quite an isolating experience because not a lot of us go through it this young and some of us go through it younger um but I wanted to open up the conversation and share my experiences in the hope that it would offer some comfort to someone out there so I hope you really enjoy this episode it is quite a heavy one we talk about losing someone um we talk about someone dying from a brain tumor so it might be quite triggering for some people so that's just a warning for you um but it is I don't want to put you off because I, I I love the fact that I can talk about this and keep her the memory of this person alive. And yeah, let me know your thoughts. Hope you have a lovely week. So we always start with why this topic has um, arisen over the past couple of days, weeks. Um, so do you want to start with that? Yeah, so it's just because I think quite a few people our age now are starting to deal with it for the first time I mean starting to lose grandparents starting to lose you know people in their lives so you know as we're getting older it's becoming more a topic of conversation and more something that we because when you I mean I don't want to generalize but usually you know you don't experience grief like most like from a young age and I think if you do it it potentially is a different a different situation personally I went through well, went through I started grieving um in September time when I lost someone really close to me and I think when it was happening at the time it was just too just too sad to really talk about and now we're six months down the line uh, I'm starting to experience this sort of second wave almost of grief and I do think when I talk to friends who have lost someone and talk to people who have also lost someone at a similar age to us and were also just as close to them as I was with this person. They they do describe it as waves. It just comes and goes. And when I was going through it, I was really comparing it to a breakup. And I know that sounds strange, but losing someone from your life, whether it's a breakup or grieving someone who's passed away, it they sort of had similar feelings at the beginning. But as time's gone on, I've sort of seen more differences and I've sort of seen how it's almost more of a subtle but more... I don't know, prolonged kind of niggling yeah, yeah. pain. So, yeah, I think that's why we've brought it up, isn't it? Because I think people sort of our age are starting to go through it a little bit more. Yeah, just reflecting on that, I think I've recently, some of my friends have lost people really close to them as well. And like what you were saying about how it was so painful like in the moment, they've made similar comments that they're kind of just trying to ignore it at the moment because that's their way of getting through it, um, which yeah. like kind of is you kind of think that's not the healthiest way to deal with it. But then if it's so painful in the moment, then if that's the only way you continue with your life, then it does make sense. But then it kind of makes sense that then you've had this second wave because you were saying to me that you feel like you've just kind of distracted yourself and like continued with your life and that's the way you've been dealing with it. But then now you know that you do need to kind of talk for it a little bit more and deal with yeah. these feelings so you can like move forward and like honour your friend in the best way. Yeah, I think it's also, I know this sounds a bit silly, but when I think that one of the saddest parts I've realised is I don't really have an excuse to talk. So this person was called Carolyn um, and she was, yeah, basically like a second mum to me. And um, 
when as time started going on you know she passed away on the 17th of September and as time went on um I had less of an excuse to talk about her and when yeah. I brought her up it was just too sad and people didn't want I felt awkward because I didn't want to make other people sad I didn't want to bring the room down and so I just sort of stopped talking about her and then they not only pass away from your life like physically but they're not even there in spirit because you're not talking about them especially in our 20s I think we're always kind of want to talk about like positive things with our friends we don't want to like burden them with like loads of like emotional like conversations but we still need to be having these conversations and like if they're your true friends like you should be able to open up to them but I know it's like a difficult conversation like you said like you don't want to bring the mood down and I think like so many people can like resonate with that that they kind of probably feel a little bit of shame that they're like well maybe I should be over this by now like maybe I need to like stop talking about the situation but like that's not how like life works that's not how grief works like it's a process so yeah I think it's really important to be having this conversation so people know that it's so normal to be feeling like this I think just for a little bit of a background, just in case someone's sort of going through something similar in terms of the process, because it is quite specific, I think. And I think the way it affected me was very much based on what it was and the specific. It wasn't just she didn't just die in her sleep peacefully. Sadly, it was much more, more intense. It was much more visible. But that was a big shock for me, you know, not really like having to watch it happen slowly. And I think so Carolyn had um, she was diagnosed with um, cancer I think it was about I'm going to say about 10 years ago um and at that time Carolyn so she kept her horse at um, our house so she was there like every morning every night and she, she we did all the competitions together and she was just part of the family and we went on holidays together she came on holiday with me and my family like a few years in a row and I was very young so when she started coming to the yard um I was probably about 10 and she was she basically lived with us for about five or six years. And so it was very really formative years for me. Um, and she was diagnosed and I don't really remember it because I was I think I must have been quite young. I didn't really understand it. Um, and she's just she sort of lived. She just lived with it. She lived with cancer. That's always what she said. She said, I'm not bothered about being cured as long as I can live. And she kept going to work and she was competing. She went, to, you know, she just worked through it and she she never she was never she never lost out on anything I think that's an important thing to say but then in the last year of her life things really did quite drastically change and it changed very quickly I know a year sounds like quite a long period of time but actually it wasn't even just that year it was the last month so she was diagnosed with a brain tumor um I think it was her husband's 70th birthday so Carolyn was 60 she was 10 years younger than her husband and um she, I remember her telling me because I was at the party and it was just one of those really heartbreaking moments because I just sort of I just sort of had this gut feeling that she wouldn't come out the other side of this one and then it was two years and she was absolutely fine you know she was doing the treatment she's always been pro-treatment and she always took every treatment she could get and she was always very much a fighter with it in the last year it sort of got stronger um I, I, I was I was studying in Nottingham so I was home and I was seeing her a lot and I was since reflected and been very grateful that I was actually so close and not in uni somewhere else or you know so that last summer it sort of it really changed from being something that was that she could live with to something that was killing her 
and the walks we used to she used to but she was always going on walks and we would always go for walks right around the beacon around Broombridge, on the local walks and she going up hills and she was a bit slower but you know she was brilliant but then I noticed we had to sort of stop on the hills and stuff so she could get her breath back and um a side of her body has sort of stopped working because of it was a brain tumor and brain tumors are really quite yeah they affect everything um and yeah she just sort of slowly started slowing down and then the doctors sort of said you've got about three months and then her it's sort of her mental health really started to, to deteriorate and that was something that was new I hadn't seen that before and so it sort of became a very our relationship changed and that was what was scary for me so I she, she went from someone who was always looked after me to someone that I, I was looking after and I was you know there every day and I was starting to cook for her clean and just try and cheer her up every day because she really was she was really sad she was really she was really sad and she didn't know how to take any more treatment they had offered us some more treatment that could potentially give her another another six months if it worked and we got through August and she decided to take it and she started taking these treatments at the beginning of September and this is just how quickly it happened and you know 17th September she passed away because the treatment just met just really weakened her and she lost her appetite in the moment it wasn't something I was thinking like oh this is going to really affect me for the rest of my life because it was just you just do it I remember sitting outside in my car outside her cottage I baked a lasagna for that night and it was like sitting on the seat next to me and I was just looking at the cottage and I just had this moment of oh, I just don't want to be dealing with this. I don't want to go in. I want to go in and I want her to be her normal self and I want her to, you know, jump up and greet me and things. But by that time, she was very poorly. She was quite weak. She couldn't really stand up. And I, knew, I sort of knew what I'd be going into. And you just have to have a moment where you're just like, okay, just do it. Just do it. Just get up and do it. And you just have to. And it, that's you sort of go into a bit survival mode. You stop thinking about yourself, I suppose, and you just sort of do it. You turn into a bit of a, a, bit of a robot. Um, and that was that was yeah that was it the last the last month was yeah it was difficult and I think reflecting now that's that's why I'm now not struggling but that's that's the part that's affected me really being so close to it and and really visibly watching it happen and happen deteriorate quite quickly um yeah I was gonna say I think seeing the change in someone when like you said she looked after you always you said how like strong she was and all this and there's to be such a role reversal in her also to get sad I think that's so heartbreaking that I think you kind of assume not assume but like uh, sometimes you think that people are like right I'm gonna make the most of like my last months of life but like that's not always the case because someone gets ill and then they get sad about it and so I just think like that's something that's so so like powerful that people are going to be able to relate to yeah I think that's so true like people sometimes almost romanticize terminal illnesses and say oh just yeah. do the bucket list because I'd imagine that moment you know we I'd grown up and Carolyn had always sort of had cancers as long as I'd known her and I'd sort of imagined what this would feel like when she did pass and I imagine this very romantic story of you know she was just she would just pass away in her sleep and it would be peaceful and she'd be happy and she'd be content and she'd have done everything that she wanted to do in her life and she would have told the, everyone told the people in her life how much she you know everything would have been sort of complete and finished and it would be the yeah. right time and the reality is it happens a lot sooner a lot quicker a lot more brutally and she did it that it's, it's brutal but no it wasn't fair it was far too early she didn't get to do all the things she wanted to do and 
we had plans you know it that's what was shocking was in june me and her were planning holidays together and i was saying let's get your passport sorted because she had to update a photo and dad my dad took her passport for us to the post office and we got her a new photo because we were so sure that the treatment was going to work and she was going to be with portugal with us in september and to go from that to what happened in september was that was the the real shocking traumatic part i think the speed of it yeah exactly and that's probably why you thought you just kind of needed to keep going because when it's something like that happens so fast it's hard to deal with it in in the same pace yeah. so it just makes sense yeah and that goes reverts back to what i was saying about going into that survival mode of zombie because i think if you think about it too much if you actually if you actually think about what's going on you just won't be able to get up in the morning you won't yeah. be able to do it and in that moment it's not about you and i think it, and people deal with it differently like my mum who was also really close to Carolyn she was in sort of denial I remember sitting down with mum and having a conversation with her because I just I felt like I had to warn her what was coming because I was seeing it and I was with Carolyn every day and I could see what was happening and even though I never told this to Carolyn um I was always very positive and around her and made her laugh and you know didn't ever focus on it but I could I knew in myself she didn't have long because I'd never seen she's had it for a long time I've been close to her for a long time I've never seen that speed of deterioration and um my mum wasn't seeing it she was hiding from it a bit and she was seeing Carolyn like once a week and I would bring her along once a week because I sort of had to force her because mum didn't really want to see Carolyn because mum had always knew, known her as a you know very strong feisty woman as my mum is and I don't think she could bear seeing it and I had to have a conversation with her and had to tell her, look, I don't want to burst this bubble of yours, but this is happening. And I think you might, if you don't start coming with me more often, you might have some regrets because this is going to be your last chance. But I do think some people deal with it like that. And that is completely fine. And I still have so much respect for my mum because she did just deal with it the way she dealt with it. And I don't, I, I don't think she ever thought it would happen so quickly. Comparing then to now, it's um, back then it was just a month of very, very intense pain, emotional pain, like crying every sort of 10 minutes and not really being able to get through a day without being like completely in, in pieces and um, putting all your energy into organising the funeral and trying to control what you can control and all these things. And then slowly it, it does change. And, and I was, I got, um, I moved to London and got a job um, in October and I remember and it's, what I've noticed is it's moments when I really know in that moment I would be talking to her and I'd be telling her. So the night before I started my job, I was I had to I remember I, I live with um, a friend from home, Lossie, and she I, I was like in Lossie's room and I, and I stayed in Lossie's room that night. So I was just so upset because I wanted to tell Carolyn that I'd just got a job. And um, it's the moments where you know that you would be talking to them. It's just that sort of. Like it's habit. The habit was talking to her. Yeah, I think exactly. it's just adjusting to that new habit. And I think, yeah, now it's much more subtle. Like I can talk about it now and I'm not, I'm not too emotional, but it's just sort of what happened. I'm getting a bit of a promotion soon. And I had the interview yesterday and I sort of, I was a bit sad last night and I was talking to my mum about it. And I just said, I just want to call her and tell her because she'd be so like proud of me and she'd be so like excited to hear about it. And, um, and Carolyn, just for context, she didn't have any kids of her own. And so I always sort of felt like the, the daughter she sort of adopted. I never really asked for one, but <laughs> I was sort of there. And so the news that you, you usually sort of tell you, I would always tell mum and I'd call Carolyn straight away. And that would be my little routine. 
Um, but yeah, I suppose that's sort of the conclusion. It's it's much more subtle, but there's just moments that it really hits you quite hard. But those moments don't last quite as long as they used to. It's not quite as agonizing. It's just something that you start living with. It's, it becomes just sort of habit. And I think that's how it differentiates from a breakup with someone because I think with a breakup, you do sort of, you just move, you just, you, you grieve the relationship for a period of time and then you move on and you don't, it doesn't really come up much. Whereas, yeah, it's. Um, well, also it's, with a relationship, you can kind of like not replace them, but you will obviously have like yeah. another relationship after. Whereas with a person, like you can't ever replace that relationship. So, like, it is, it is more final, really. Then, like, because, like, say, like, um, when you're in a relationship and you normally tell them, like, all these changes that's going on in your life, but then you get in a new relationship and then that person becomes that the person who you tell all these changes to. Whereas, yeah. like, like your relationship with Carolyn was so special that you're not going to fill that void. And I think that's why, I think even this week it's come up again, hasn't it? Because you've had a few, like, changes in your mindset about things. And, I like, remember you yeah. voice noting me saying how, like, you really want to tell Carolyn things like this and you just wanted to talk to me about, like, her. And, like, I just think it's so useful for, for people to know that, like, it's okay to... To, like when there's changes to want to reach out to the person that they've lost and maybe even like techniques of like writing to them or like pretending to talk to them I think would be like really useful one of the good things I've been doing is I sort of journal and I don't didn't, never have done it before and it's, I sort of started I remember the first day I think it was when I moved to London I think it was like October and I just didn't even really think about it I just said oh dear Carolyn and I'm just, my journal is sort of letters to Carolyn and it's in, it's informing her about my day about what's going on about how I'm feeling right about what's reminded me of her the songs that I've been listening to the her to the, that remind me of her and it's a place that I can just it's, it's just me and Carolyn it feels like it's just me and Carolyn even though it's I know it's not it's just me but it's a place where I can I don't have to bring this I think for me a big thing is I don't want to bring the sadness on other people I always just feel so very antisocial when I start talking about Carolyn because I know my friends are always happy to talk about it but it does bring the mood down it's a shame that we do feel like that but I get the same like when I'm feeling down like I just want to hide myself away and I don't want to bring like burden like my friends and like even yeah. when you were talking to me a few days ago about Carolyn I remember you apologizing profusely about being like I'm really sorry like I don't want to your mood down and things like that and like it's it's a shame that we sometimes feel like that because that's what friends and family are here for like we can't always just be there for the highs like that's yeah. what a true friendship and like relationship is it is quite yeah, British, it is. like that stick up a lip like don't talk about emotion sort of thing exactly and it's ingrained into us a little bit and I do think that the, the ultimate thing is people don't really know what to say and yeah. that's also why it sort of makes people feel awkward. I, th I think with friends, when you're really close, it's not that's not the problem because they're just you just don't want your friends to be sad. It's not like they're not gonna, they're going to feel awkward. But when you just bring it up in conversation, it sort of silences a room because people just don't know what to say. And I do appreciate that, but it also annoys me a little bit because I think that's one of the reasons that grief is swept under the rug a little bit because it's almost just one of those topics that's deemed too sad for social conversations. It's not normalised. And exactly. it's not really, and I don't think it's a healthy way of dealing with it, just pretending it's not happened. And I remember when Carolyn was, it was sort of getting obvious that she was dying. She, um, she, I would be around hers every night, be talking to her about her friends and just talking about who she's seen. And a lot of people stopped 
calling and and didn't didn't see her that much and and Carolyn said I just don't blame them because they just don't know what to say and it's like almost like people start dealing with the grief or start hiding from the grief before it's even happened yeah, which I found really so interesting not inter- it was a bit it was cruel and horrible and I was angry at the time but now I can sort of I see why I don't have any respect or time for it because in my mind it's just that you know it's not about you but I can on reflection see where, why that happened because our society just doesn't know how to deal with these things it's a British society especially that like we just hide away from stuff or we sweep it under the rug and we don't look at it we don't look it in the eye and we don't we don't like advertise the therapy like we don't we don't recommend therapy enough or grief counseling enough it's always just something that people are just left on their own devices to like oh just leave them time will heal or wound sort of thing because obviously I've recommended to you didn't I to get um, more counseling again and recently I've recommended to a friend to reach out for more specific support speaking to someone that really can relate to like the exact emotions and feelings that you're feeling I just think it's so so useful and I think people there's almost like shame around getting help but it kind of annoys me that there is because like whenever I've reached out for help it's it's always been so beneficial and it's gonna if you don't reach out for help, it's going to prolong the process of you feeling better. It should be more normalized that it's okay to, to reach out for help. And maybe people who are trying to um, like talk to someone who is dealing with grief, maybe that's one thing that they, sh- they should be encouraging and be like, I really think you'd, you'd, you should use this service. I think that would really help you. Like I can come with you if you need support of like speaking to someone, like maybe that would be more useful instead of, yeah, like just not really knowing what to say it's just so underrated and I remember my parents sort of giving me a bit of a look when I said I'm gonna go and get some grief counseling because Carolyn hadn't died yet that was another point like I I started the counseling about three weeks before she passed away because I was it was I think it was I've always sort of been a planner and I've always wanted to be ahead of the game and sort of thought okay that's coming so I'm gonna do this in preparation it was a very practical thing um but it just, it's, as I said, it just it gave me an excuse to talk about something that was too sad to talk about in social situations. And also it was very much the case of, I don't think anyone knew what to tell me because they, like none of, no one really had been through it. And the friends who had, they just said, look, it's not, there's not like a magic answer for this. There's not a cure for grief or there's, it's not like, it's not like you can take medication and feel better. It's not that sort of pain. And the counselling won't offer that, but it does just give you an excuse to talk it through and you don't have to be, it just sort of eradicates all social cues or all social rules that you can't bring this stuff up because it's just too sad. You can yeah, just, you exactly. have an hour where you can just rant and talk and like <laughs> he didn't even like my counsellor didn't even, even um, get to say much a lot of the time because I just had to have someone that I could just ramble to and cry and be angry to and not feel guilty because that's the other thing you don't feel like it's your place to be sad and angry because it's not you that's going through it like it's just surely just be grateful that you've got oh I don't know it's there's you just feel like Carolyn's the one that has all the rights to be feeling like there's not me and I just have to be there to support her so it was nice to be in a room where I could just feel everything that I was feeling and have no guilt (laughs) 
I just it's hard to just encapsulate what I've learned because it completely changed me like it just changed who I am and how I see things it was one of those experiences where you really feel older afterwards yeah you feel, you feel like you've aged and not in a not necessarily in a bad way I don't feel like I'm older than my years or anything like that but I do feel much more of an adult now because I've sort of been through this thing that really changed my role I went from being the sort of little girl that was looked after to the to more of a carer to more, someone needed me more than I needed them in that moment and that was what was I haven't really experienced before especially with an adult and that really sort of has changed how I look at things I'm and in, in, in loads of lovely positive ways, I spoke about it a bit on the body image thing. And now when I'm, you know, complaining about my weight, when I feel a little bit chubby or when I can't really bother to go on a run, I just have a lot more perspective. I just think, look, Carolyn would love to be able to go on a run right now. She'd love to be able to complain about her weight. She'd love to be able to snack on food that she loves. And it's just it's made me realise that even the what we deem is sort of the crappy parts of life, like the parts that are when someone that you're sleeping with fucks you over or you don't like you're, you're late for work and you're really stressed yeah. at work or you've got exams coming up that are really stressing you out or I don't know you have FOMO because your mates have gone to an event and you're not really included you know all these things that seem like really big deals at the time I've sort of got that bigger perspective of what like a privilege is just to even be in this situation where I can go to when I can go out and socialize and I can go to parties and I can go to the pub and I can organize holidays and even though you know I don't want to like make everyone's because it's all relative and I understand that and I still do get sad about these things it's not like it's completely gone but it is sort of a I can now just sort of if I'm feeling really sad I can just sort of remember hang on just remember how much of a of an honor it is just to be able to do this I think that's a massive lesson that I'm very grateful for it's just actually being having gratitude for the things that sometimes get overlooked I can really resonate with that actually I watched I think I told you how I watched that a program on the HIV outbreak in the 1980s in the UK and it was just really shocking and again that kind of put things in perspective where I was just like watching people young people die um in yeah in a program obviously so it's like not at all like in the same category but just watching the program I was like it was really sad I was literally crying and that week I was feeling really anxious at work and I literally just like, wrote a note on my wall um, like on a post-it and it was just like putting things in perspective I, was, I literally why am I worrying about such tiny little things that really don't won't matter they won't matter next week let alone in my life yeah and I think um on sort of going on from that is don't really I don't really like leaving things unsaid now like I, if I'm feeling a certain way I sort of like I'm trying to express it more and not bottle yeah. things up so much because again it goes back to the life's too short to 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 not to not express how you're feeling I don't know if you're just starting to have feelings for someone that you're seeing or getting you're, you're feeling a little bit betrayed by someone or like I sort of like getting more things on the table now and being more of an open book because it's just feel like sometimes it's a bit sort of time wasting when you're just always like trying to play a game of I don't know I don't know if you can understand 100%, that yeah. just no I get that <laughs> being more open and true and just not acting a certain way because you think the social situation demands it if that makes sense yeah yeah and I because you know I'm I'm a direct person and I say what I think yeah. um and I was just reflecting I was like why do I think I'm actually like that and I think it's because there have been situations where I haven't said how I felt for a long time 
and then kind of regretted it like for like a year later and realized that I did just waste so much time and I should just lay my cards on the table with that person like that this was in like a romantic um relationship so now I'm I am like that and I'm rather just like know where I stand with someone and, and if they don't feel the same then I move on with my life because you're right like yeah. life is too short and I think people can play games and like I think some people enjoy the game maybe but I'm just like I like to know where I stand with someone and the only way to know where you stand is to be completely open yourself not it's not really a lesson but just again change of perspective I think sort of being happier for less and I think lockdown and the pandemic has also made a lot of people feel like this that you yeah. don't need like the the big fancy holidays I mean, I know some people want them and trust me I do too but they're not essential to your happiness and and I think it, you may you may really realize like when Carolyn was you know really poorly and we couldn't really do much but I was just going around and I was cooking dinners and I was just with her and I was I was putting funny films on or I was just trying to make her laugh in other ways and those moments of what I just treasure now and th those moments are really what brought happiness to me it wasn't really about the grand gestures or you know buying her you know it was it was just more about that personal connection and like I, with me and a couple friends from hey we're trying to organize like a little trip to like somewhere in the UK and I was just thinking about it and I was really excited just for the drive down I know that sounds really silly but I just really was excited to all being in a car putting music on like being all together for the first time in ages and that was what I was excited about and I thought you know what me a year ago would be really trying to get like the most expensive not the most expensive but the most exciting holiday like try and book some really cool try and book loads of activities and I know that's still really fun and I understand that but now the priority is getting the people together it doesn't really matter where we are oh, it's really hard to give advice because it's just it's just shit <laughs> like it's just yeah. one of those situations that even if you're just getting up every day and getting through it you know you're doing well um so I mean be kind to yourself I suppose and, and just really understand that it's a really hard situation to be in not everyone's going to be in it but you like whatever you're doing you are doing well and you're dealing with it and you're getting up every day and you're and you're and you're, and you're getting through it the best way you can I think um for me it helped to try and control the little things like I couldn't control the big thing like I sort of had to just accept that and I, did, I didn't for a while but in hindsight I did sort of have to accept this big thing was going to happen like she was going to die quite soon but I could control how she felt every day you know I could go over most days I could as I say I could cook a lot of, a lot of what I did was cook because I keep, I keep mentioning it um, but you know I could take around like little new candles that I think she liked the smell of and I could take around um, I, I remember I bought she had really sore feet from the um from the medication and I bought her these um white company slippers and some hand cream as well that I knew she'd love the smell of and just little things like that that you can just do on a daily basis and I don't know those those little things that you can control like I, I would say absolutely try and control them because it really helped me to know that even though I can't control this long-term outcome I can control each day as it comes um, yeah. And it made me feel like I was at least doing something. And I think that's what's the hardest. The hardest part is feeling so helpless and feeling so out of control. And so that's what I did. I, I just tried to control the things that I could control. The grief counselling. Yeah, I would always recommend that. Any counselling of any kind, I'm sure you'll agree is it's just... It's just... I feel like everyone should see a counsellor or a therapist at some point. It's just so valuable to have someone 
that you have can just talk to and that you can I don't, I don't know what the, uh, unravel with I suppose and, and break down all those social barriers and just really be quite raw with someone it's quite a powerful thing to do that to someone who's not got anything to do with your life that you can just leave and never really have to see them again if you don't want to um, yeah I don't know what you think exactly yeah well, one of the things I think I find so like freeing with therapy is like sometimes I worry if I'm so like open with how I was feeling like in my low moments that like it would just worry my friends and family whereas like a therapist like you'd hope they wouldn't like be sitting up and like worrying about you because they're not like they don't have that close personal relationship it's their job and they're just there to listen and I think that's what I find comforting because I, I get I do get a weird thing that I'm like yeah that I'm going to really worry someone and then I don't want to worry someone so then at least if I go to therapy I know that that risk is kind of taken away I think another one actually sort of going on from talking to someone having 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 counseling and talking to someone professional is um I think try not to be too offended when some when some people don't want to talk about it or don't feel like they know how to talk about it because some people and a lot of people just don't, have never dealt with this stuff before and they have no idea what to say and it's not their fault and I think I had a lot of anger for some people that wouldn't there was a lot of anger yeah, in me there was just a lot of anger in me generally I was angry I was angry at the situation it was it was driving me nuts that this was so unfair and a lot of the anger I put on to people around me who I felt like weren't making enough effort or who I felt weren't dealing with it in the right way or weren't being there for me but it was that situation where I'd have been I'd have made I'd have been angry at anything you know I could I could I'd have been angry if they were getting too involved I was like oh there's nothing to do with them can they just back off do you know what I mean I was just in that angry headspace because the situation was infuriating and you couldn't do anything about it it was just there and I had to deal with it and it's like I can't make this go away but it's so unfair and it's so annoying and it's just in the way of her life and of my of everyone's life it's just it was like this life stopping thing that you can't control you can't stop it happening and it's annoying <laughs> at the very least yeah. it's just it's it's aggravating and, and it makes you feel like so out of control and so I think when you are feeling anger and, and you are and you are feeling you know that some people aren't doing what they should be doing and it's trying to remember that that anger that you're feeling isn't to do with them it's to yeah, do with the situation and try and have a bit more patience I would I, I mean I could have I'm not the most patient person but there was definitely situations where I could have just taken a deep breath and just been a little bit more patient with the people that are, are around me that lesson is so like important just for like dealing with any situation like I think just for you to be able to have that self-awareness that you're like right okay I'm just I'm angry at this situation I'm not angry at this person like it's so easy for that to get muddled and yeah I just think that's so common so I just think that's so so amazing that you've been able to have that self-awareness um because yeah, I mean that's yeah, definitely it's... in hindsight I think at the time I was just annoyed <laughs> at everyone and I don't I don't want to say oh you, you, you just did the wrong thing because you know in the moment you you have, have the best way I can describe it is I would go to Karen's and every ounce of my energy was put into being positive being there for her listening to her listening to how she was feeling you know holding her when she was feeling really sad and cuddling her and, and you know and being that just emotional support system and not breaking down myself because as soon as I feel like in that moment you just can't you just got to let them be the ones that are sad and be there for them and be the strong one yeah and because that's what's going to give them I think in Carolyn's situation that very much I felt that gave her the strength she said because she would be like okay B thinks I can do this so I'm going to do this that sort of mentality 
and yeah. she sort of said that to me once she, and she said and she sort of said that's how it feels when I'm there and I'm and I'm strong supposedly stronger but then I would come home and or when I wasn't with Karen anytime I would just collapse and I'd either be a zombie I wouldn't have any emotion I would just want to go to my room and just sleep because I'd be so physically and mentally exhausted or I'd be really angry or I'd be really upset and those emotions that I can't let out in front of Carolyn I'd be letting out in other aspects of my life and yeah. other relationships with other people and I think it's just sort of being again it goes back to just being kind to yourself and just trying to really understand that it's okay to be handling it that way it's all right and the people who are around you will understand that and who know what's going on will understand that it's just um it's just it's just as I say it's just a shit situation <laughs> like it's just crap and there's always going to be a lot of emotion involved and there's only so there isn't one right way of coping with this but the, the little tips of just seeing counseling you know maybe writing things down writing down how you're feeling leaning on your friends leaning on the people around you like who are there for you and understanding that you don't have to do it all on your own and I was actually you know I was watching um, Ellie Darby's YouTube about this and she said something that I just thought was so lovely and she said remember that your heart will keep beating and you will keep going and you can love again you'll never love someone you'll never have that relationship back you know Carolyn or your mum or whoever has gone but you can still continue to love the people around you and you can you can love more and you can you'll meet someone and you, you still have that capacity for happiness and love and yeah. all good things but and so cling on to that a little bit and remember that although this is going to be really sad for a little while you've still got an amazing life ahead of you and you will you will I know it sounds really cheesy but you will love someone again and you will and I did feel like I was really much more appreciative and loving towards my friends in the long like after it happened I was just sort of there like really valuing the people who were in my life and just really appreciating them and me and my mum have definitely got closer for it because I think a lot of the love I had for Karen is I've been sort of putting on my mum a bit more and that it's it's not it, it doesn't mean you're never going to be happy again even though it feels like that at the time because you still have the capacity to love someone that much yeah I think we should end there I think that's really beautiful Thanks everyone for listening to this episode. It, it was a really personal one for me, so I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope it helped or offered some comfort or some insight into the experience. Um, me and Izzy would love you to get in contact. So please do follow our Instagram at 20s Live Podcast with some under, underscores in the middle there. Uh, and we hope you have a lovely week. Thanks again for listening, everyone.